And now, a reading from the Gospel according to John, chapter 15, beginning in verse 9, reading through verse 17, Common English Bible. As the Father loved me, I too have loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have said these things to you, so that my joy will be in you and your joy will be complete. This is my commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. No one has greater love than to give up one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I don't call you servants any longer because servants don't know what their master is doing. Instead, I call you friends because everything I heard from my father I have made known to you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you could go and produce fruit and so that your fruit could last. As a result, whatever you ask the father in my name, he will give you. I give you these commandments so that you can love each other. Here ends the reading. May God grant us wisdom and courage for interpretation. Thanks be to God. Home. Home is where the heart is, they say. Home is where you hang your hat. Or as Robert Frost once wrote, home is the place where when you have to go there, they have to take you in. This is one of the most fundamental longings that is common to all of humanity. We long to belong. This is the yearning of the lonely and the forgotten who long for a place of warmth and welcome. It is the longing of the refugee and the exile who hope for a place to rest their heads and raise their young in safety. It is the heartfelt longing of those trampled by poverty and war who cry out for a place where justice and peace are at home, and the song of the rejected and the abused among us, for whom home has become a place of harm. Whenever we are filled with doubt or tempted by despair, whenever we have wandered far afield and fear we've lost our way, our hearts still cry out for home. Now, during the early years of our marriage, Sheree and I lived in so many different places that I'm pretty sure we both lost count. Now, part of the deal was being new in ministry, but part of it was also trying to find our place in this world. So we packed and we unpacked. We rented U-Haul trucks and we set up our household in different houses from Oklahoma to Washington State, back to Arkansas, south to Texas, and then back to Oklahoma where we have been for the majority of the last 25 years. Sometimes moving was our idea and other times we moved because our jobs demanded it. We have now lived in the same house for coming up on seven years, the longest of any place in our 27 years of our married lives together. And yet for all the packing and unpacking, all the changes of address, we shared but one home. That is, the home built upon our promise to love one another. 
Now, we certainly don't pretend to hold ourselves up as the perfect marriage. Don't hear me saying that at all. However imperfectly, though, our home was made in the heart of one another. No longer was home a place, but a person and a promise. And as our family grew, home was our family unit and not a structure built of brick and mortar or wood. Human promises, as we all well know, are imperfect, whether in a marriage or a family or a church family. Uh, human promises, they fade, they fail, they flop, they flounder. They are smeared by our shortcomings and often bleared with struggle. These promises we make to one another are often broken and stretched and mercifully mended and do not always endure. Yet in an imperfect way, they seem to me to be the closest parallel for the promise of Jesus we read in John's Gospel today. As God has loved me, so I have loved you. Now you abide in my love. I heard a powerful story about a man recently. Well, let's just call him Tom. Tom was a single man. He had his whole life turned upside down and inside out when he became the foster dad of two young boys, brothers, whose own household had become chaotic and deadly. Now, Tom took them into his heart and into his home, and he made a place for them. And these two boys thrived, drinking in the love for which they had long thirsted. In time, they learned to trust Tom's promise that they would not ever be abandoned again, and they relaxed into the peace of a safe and stable environment in which to live. But then, their lives were thrown into turmoil when Tom was approached about taking in a third foster child. He talked with the boys about this prospect, and the littlest of the boys just smiled. All he could imagine was another playmate running loose in the house. But the older boy had many questions. Where would the new kids sleep? Which chair would be his at the table? Where would they put all his stuff? Now, even though Tom had a good answer to each question, he could tell it wasn't enough to calm the fears in this usually brave little boy. What are you afraid of? Tom asked the older boy, the, and he cried, uh, but you only have two hands. Not true. He had a place in Tom's home and Tom's heart, but he could count. Tom had two hands and two little boys to care for. If a new kid came along, would he, the bigger and more responsible one, he was wondering, be asked to let go of the hand that guided and protected and connected him to Tom? Like this little boy, friends, so many of us often think of love as a limited commodity that needs to be doled out very carefully. We imagine that God's embrace and unconditional acceptance of us is not large enough to receive everyone who needs a home, or perhaps we fear that we will lose our own cherished place right next to God's heart if too many others come looking for a home, or since we have rarely, if ever, seen unconditional love displayed up close and in person in our everyday lives. Maybe we doubt that it really exists. Or maybe our image of God, our own theological way of conceiving the divine, maybe 
maybe we're just tired of the whole parent metaphor. God the Father, God the Mother, a personalized God works for many of us, but for others it doesn't inspire us or ring true in our hearts or minds when we conceive of the divine and what unconditional love looks like. Well, take heart, you whose lives are in turmoil and transition. You who live amid the shards of broken promises. You who long for a place of safety, a place to belong. You who have wandered far from home and fear you have lost your way. Take heart today. Jesus taught that love has come to make a home with us. Love has come to dwell among us and to be present for us and in us, even in the down and dirty, especially in the down and dirty moments of life, even when we fear that we have lost our way. To be at home in God is to abide in love. We are granted to a place to be grafted onto the vine, and love courses through our lives like the sap of the vine runs through its branches. We are able to love one another, not just with our own love, but with the very love of God running through us. Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. You can have no greater love than this, that you lay your life down for a friend. So love and pain walk hand in hand across the human heart. Love and pain often cannot be separated from one another by more than a few moments, and at times love and pain are so closely intertwined we can hardly tell them apart. I read another story about Henry Nouwen, who after his mother's death wrote about his last trip home to be with her as she lay there dying. And when Henry Nouwen came into her room, his mother's room, and he sat beside her bed, he said he saw his mother's face as if for the very first time. She was looking at me with the same eyes with which she had so often looked at me, eyes expressing a love that could never be separated from pain. Maybe that was what always touched me so deeply. Her eyes, he said in which love and sadness were never entirely separated. How often had I seen tears in her eyes when I left again after a day, a week, or month at home? How often had I looked into that lovely face which expressed so beautifully that love causes pain? Powerful words. After first reading Henry Nouwen's lovely book, in memoriam is the title when I was in seminary I remember going home to visit my own parents and I, I remember recalling now example so I tried to look at my own parents faces as if for the first time these were the same faces that had been but a, a breath away from mine no matter how many miles away I had hung my hat in all of those moves even when Sheree and I were far away moving uh, moving around in the early days of our marriage but going back further than that, all the way to, the, to my birth. When we gaze upon those we have known the longest in our lives, whether they are parents or friend or some other family member, one who has eyes to see, can dis we can discern in their faces the story of their lives. I saw 
that day the map of the journey my parents had taken in loving one another, my sister and I, our neighbors and our God. Their faces revealed so much more than the passage of time and the fading of youth. They revealed the passing of the many people who have walked in and out of their home and their hearts, including various adult children such as yours truly, who needed a safe and stable place to return and belong and still do sometimes, even as a married man many years later. I realize not everyone has this type of relationship with their parents. But friends, we have an opportunity as God's beloved community to make sure that everyone in our faith community, this little tiny corner of God's beloved family, has the opportunity to experience a place to truly belong and call home. Families, after all, come in all shapes and sizes and are not only through birth. In fact, some of the very best families I've ever seen were not by blood, but by choice. Now, John's witness of Jesus in our text was, recall those words, I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. That was from verse 11 in our text. I don't think that deep joy means our hearts are free from pain and totally filled with love all the time. If we were to look at ourselves in a mirror as though for the first time, I bet we would see deep joy. But that is probably not all we would see if we were being totally honest with ourselves. Visible too would be the pain of promises broken and trust betrayed. Not all those on whom we have depended in our lives have loved us back in return. Some of them stole money from us, abused our hospitality, and they broke our hearts. We might hurt like hell, but because the love of God is literally flowing in our veins, no one can break our spirit. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of love divine, to say it clearly, is alive and at work within us. And life really is a process of learning to trust the promise that although there will be human beings who abandon us, who mistreat us, abuse us even, the love of God is here in us to stay, to abide. And when we trust this promise, we cease living in fear and we're set free when we really lean into it to live extraordinary lives, lives of delicious daring. We can even learn to take risks again after being burned or deserted or disappointed. Risks that include the potential for failure and even heartbreak. And we do so because we ourselves have experienced heartache and pain. And we do so in order to open our doors and our hearts to those we meet on life's journey who in one way or another have no safe place to call home. The words of the song Martina McBride wrote seem so poignant in moments like these. She wrote, Love's the only house big enough for all the pain in this world. And as John's Gospel witnesses of Jesus' teaching, no one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Believing this, even without taking it completely, literally, we can, at the very least, love others with reckless abandon. 
Laying down one's life does not only mean dying, literally, for the sake of another. It also describes an ongoing way of living, the practice of self-giving, sacrificial love that goes beyond the call of duty. We are called to lay down our lives day after day by setting aside our personal desires and petty differences, by letting go of our self-centered agendas, and by making ourselves vulnerable through risk-taking love. There is pain in this. There is often disappointment in this. There is assuredly uncertainty in this. But likewise, there is also no greater joy in this life that we can ever come to know than the joy found in loving lavishly, even sacrificially. Knowing we have a home in God's love, and God's love has a home in us, regardless of how we live, whether we succeed or fail, whether we are rich or poor, successful or unsuccessful by anyone's standards, we can take the chance of loving those who may never love us back. For joy and pain, friends, joy and pain walk hand in hand across the human heart. Yet God's all-embracing love is love enough. And the promise of this love to abide with us is sure. Freed from having to win the approval of God or anyone else, we can spend with wanton extravagance the gifts of God that God has lavished upon us, sharing with others all that we have been given, our time, our attention, our compassion, our mercy, our talents, our wealth, our hope, our joy. Beloved branches of mine, Jesus says, you who abide in the life-giving vine bear a fruitful harvest of love for the sake of the world. Therefore, love one another as I have loved you. Following Jesus on the way of servant love will take us where we may not choose to go on our own. This love will lead us to people whose deeds may anger us, whose presence may fill us with fear, whose lives may make us weep. It is this kind of love that will cause us to welcome the migrant, to clothe the naked, to work, to ensure that our most vulnerable neighbors have adequate health care and housing. It is this delightfully unusual love that will inspire us to stand alongside our sisters and brothers and siblings who are being crushed by the lack of love and therefore lack of justice in this world. The kind of injustice that stems from racism or homophobia, sexism, any other society, uh, uh, the norms in society which diminish the full humanity of one another. And friends, when we are willing to love like this, God will open our eyes to that which we may not want to see, the depths of human suffering and the suffering of the earth itself, its waters and land and sky, and God will say, love as I have loved go and bear fruit. Now, thankfully, we're not sent to do this alone. We go with one another. We travel together, you and I, and with other pilgrims, other branches who are clinging to the vine of divine love. And together, we will make a home in the middle of this world where love is the house and the home. A world where many are displaced and feeling alone and far from home. They say home is where the heart is. I, I tend to agree. I think that's a large part of it. 
Well, let's take it a step further based on what we know of our calling. Home is where unconditional love abounds for you, for me, and for those who desperately need to know that such a love exists. Thanks be to God for this love. Amen.